Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson, and I'd like you to join me as I minister the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. That's where the miracles happen. Let's open with prayer. My heavenly Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan and you. Father, I ask for a spirit of grace on this meeting, a spirit of grace, what we don't deserve, but you do anyway. Father, I ask that we only see Jesus. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, turn with me to John 10. I'm going to read 35. We already know this verse, and it's so lovely. I hear it from all over the world. I hear people saying it now, and I would like to say this. These messages that we do for women are not just for women. You men are allowed to hear too, and I tell you what, they will do a lot of good for you if you will listen to them more than once. If you have the ability to go onto your computer and go to my website, and my website is very easy, kdwol.com, Kathy Davidson, wateroflife.com, kdwol.com. All these messages are there, and you can listen to them over and over again, and they will do you good. They do me good. Now, John... 1035, Jesus speaking, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and then Jesus said, and the scripture cannot be broken. And what does that mean? You can't change it. And it'll be here long past this world is not. The scripture cannot be broken. And you know what's wonderful? That's what Jesus used when he was confronted with the devil. He didn't say, look at me, devil. You know what Jesus said? It is written. How did he overcome the devil? Look at it. It is written. That's how we overcome too. When you get this word in you and you trust it, it will always bring you the victory. Now, go with me to 1 Peter and we are going to begin 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may without the word be won by the conversation, the behavior of the wives. You see, you don't have to preach to it. You just walk it and they can't help but see it. It says, while they behold your chaste, your pure conversation, your behavior, coupled with fear. Let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair and the wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. Don't let that be your adorning, but let this be your adorning. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. And that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great Price. God considers a woman that walks with a meek and a quiet spirit a great price. Not only that, the Amplified says it's very precious. The NIV says it's of great worth to God. But you know what? God knows we are not naturally born that way. And you know what the wonderful thing is? He will bring us into this. It's not that we have to act like this and then God will look at us. All oh, no. It's totally opposite. He will bring us to this. And you know when you know you're a meek and quiet spirit? 
when you know that the meek and quiet man who was raised from the dead lives in you. And that's the meek and quiet spirit. Turn with me to Luke 4, 16. And this is what we have been looking at. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, Jesus was used to doing this. And they were used to listening to Jesus do this. It says, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. They were used to this. And it says in verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And the scripture cannot be broken. What did Jesus say? He spoke from those verses. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Where did that spirit come from? When he was baptized in water by, the, by John the Baptist, when he came up out of the water, the spirit, the Holy Ghost, in the form of a dove, it wasn't a dove, in the form of a dove, came from heaven and baptized Jesus in the Holy Ghost. Jesus had never done a miracle until he was baptized with that Holy Ghost. And why didn't he do a miracle? Because the man that was standing there that asked for the book of Isaiah and had, was used to reading to them had, was a man. He was a man. It says that in Philippians 2 that he was a God. And he was right with God. It says that in John 1. He was a God. But that he emptied himself of all his godly ability. And he became a man. He took all his godly ability, his power to be everywhere at once, his power to know everything at once, left it all and became a man. Became a man, just like you and me, had to. And when he did that, he had no power on this earth to do any miracles until he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. When he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God entered into him. And now the fun starts. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. I love this. Why did God send Jesus? To heal the brokenhearted. God knew that we had broken hearts and that's why he sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Oh, the father knew we were captive. The father knew we needed deliverance and that's why he sent Jesus. He said, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, so they could see what God wanted, and to set at liberty to release them that were bruised, that were crushed. God knew what we were. He knew we were brokenhearted. He knew we were crushed. He knew that we were bruised with words and situations that had bruised our hearts. He knew it. And that's why he sent Jesus. And how did that happen? He said, the spirit of the Lord came on Jesus. The spirit of the Lord anointed him to preach the gospel. That's where all this stuff occurs in the gospel. Now, with that, I want you to turn to John 5. I want us to take a look at this man. John 5, and we're going to begin in verse 19. This is Jesus speaking. This is what I said. This was a man that was God, gave it all up. And was sent by the Father to this world. Why? To preach the gospel. To heal the broken hearts. To set the captives free. To open the eyes of the blind. To heal those that were bruised. That's why he sent him. And now we're going to look at some things here. And then Jesus said unto them. Verse 19. Verily, verily. That means pay attention. Verily, verily. I say unto you. The son can do nothing of himself. That's what it says in Philippians 2. 
He can do nothing of himself. Do you see those words? Jesus can do nothing of himself. He said, but what he seeth the Father do. For whatsoever things he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. What does that mean? He said, but what he seeth the Father do. What does he see the Father do? He watches what the Spirit in him does. He is being led by that Spirit. And when that Spirit goes here, Jesus is right there. And when that Spirit leads him over here, Jesus goes right there. When Jesus did nothing of himself, he couldn't. He had given up all that power. The only power in him is God by the Spirit of God in him. Why would he do that? To show us how to do it. To show us how to do it. You will see in the days to come, you and I have the same ability. Now, turn with me to John 14, verse 10. We're going to look at this again. There are many of these scriptures in John. Many where Jesus said, this is not me. I can't do this. Now, in 14.10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? I am in the Father and the Father in me. How is the Father in him? The Holy Ghost is in him. The Father in him. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. So even the words that Jesus say are not his words. Well, then who's talking? The Father is talking through him by the Holy Spirit. You know, that's how I do this. The Father speaks through him by the Holy Ghost. He said, I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. The Father does the works. Jesus says over and over, I can do nothing. This is not my power. I don't have any. Well, then where's the power coming from? It's from the Father. He says right here, the Father is doing the works. The Father is doing all the miracles. The Father is doing all the healing. The Father is doing all the casting out of devils. Oh, the devils say, oh, I know who you are. You're the holy child of God. And you know what Jesus said? If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out devils. That's what Jesus said. If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out devils, who are the rest of you guys casting them out by? Jesus knew he couldn't do it. It was the Spirit of God in him. With that... With that, knowing nothing that Jesus said was his own words. None of the miracles and none of the things that Jesus did were his own works. He couldn't do anything. He had no power. So it was the Father in Jesus doing everything. Why is that so important? You'll see. Turn with me to Luke 8. Because we're going to look at some things here in a different light. Luke 8, verse 22. He said, now it came to pass on a certain day that Jesus went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. Now stop. Who sent him over to the other side of the lake? The Father. Jesus did nothing of himself. His words were not his own. Who sent Jesus to the other side of the lake? The Father. Why did God in heaven send his son that had no power except by what the Holy Ghost gave him? Why did the Father send him 
to the other side of the lake because Jesus didn't go anywhere he wanted to go. He only went where the Spirit of God told him to. Now he's going to the other side of the lake. Now, go down to verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which was over against Galilee. Why did they arrive there? The Father sent him. The Father sent him by the Holy Ghost. The Father sent Jesus. He said, go to the other side of the lake. And you know what Jesus said? Whatever the Father does, I do. So he went to the other side of the lake. Why did God send Jesus to the other side of the lake? Verse 27. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils a long time, wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. Why? For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. And he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Who was casting the devil out of the gathering? The Father, the Father, Jesus couldn't. Why was the Father casting out the devils out of the gathering? Because he loved the gathering. He now had a vessel. He now had a man he could anoint to go fix some things that he wanted fixed. Do you see that? He now had a man. He anointed Jesus to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Well, we had a gathering over here that couldn't come to any of the meetings. He was too crazy. But the Father, the love of the Father, had a vessel that he could use. And he told Jesus, go get him. Go get him. And Jesus said, get in the boat, guys. We got a job to do. Oh, thank God. Thank God it was the Father in Jesus. He now had a vessel he could use, and the gathering was set free. And we had a happy God, and we had a happy Jesus. Why? That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he sent him. He needed a vessel. He needed to get on this earth and fix some things. Now, turn with me. To Luke 6. And we're going to look at verse 17. Now that we know that Jesus could do nothing of himself. That nothing he said was his own words. They were the Father's words. Nothing he did were his own works. It was the Father in him. Now we can see the love of the Father. Verse 17. And Jesus came down with them and stood in the plain. In the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people. Out of all Judea and Jerusalem. And from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue, power out of him, and Jesus healed them all. Who did the healing? The Father, the Father through Jesus. Healed them all. Cast the devils out of him. He finally had a vessel he could use. A vessel that was born for the purpose. And now he's using him. 
and Jesus is being used and loving it. And now everybody there, he healed them all. He never said to one, you're not the right color. He never said to one, you don't have the right upbringing. He never said to one, you've sinned too much. He healed them all. And who did the healing? The Father in Jesus. Do you see the love of God for you? Now, there's one more purpose of that man that brought all this to fruition. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Look at this. Some of us have been taught so different than what the Bible preaches. All things are of God, who reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. What did he do? He reconciled us and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's why I'm standing up here. To wit, that God was in Christ. God was in Jesus. Doing all the works. Speaking all the words. Why? Reconciling the world unto himself. He wanted us back. He lost us in the garden. And he wanted us back. So now he sends Jesus. And he said, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ. And so God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Jesus' stead, be you reconciled. That's why God sent Jesus to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, to open our eyes. Why? The Father was in Jesus, reconciling us back to himself. Now, where does God lead Jesus? Where does God lead him? He leads him right to Calvary. He is with Jesus and in Jesus, and he leads Jesus, the man, to Calvary. Let's go to Isaiah 53 real quick. He leads Jesus. He's with Jesus. He's in Jesus. And he's leading him to Calvary. Jesus said at one point, I'm troubled. I don't want to go there. But I know I have to. He said, that's why I came. I came to go to Calvary. That's the gospel that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. That's the gospel that Jesus preached, that he was going to die, that he was going to be buried, and he was going to be raised again the third day. That is the gospel, and God needed a man to die. You can't kill a God, and God wanted to fix this, and he needed a man to fix it, and he needed somebody that could die and fix it, and so Jesus laid it all down. Laid all his godly ability down so he could become a man and die. And die. And not only die, but Isaiah 53, we're going to begin in verse 4. Surely Jesus has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, and carried our pains. Yet it did steam him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment, whatever it took for our peace between us and God was upon Jesus, and with his stripes we are healed. Verse 6, and all we, like sheep, have gone astray. You got that? Everybody's gone astray. Everybody has gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And look at this. 
and the Lord laid on Jesus. The Lord God, Jehovah, laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. When Jesus was on that cross, when he was nailed to, it says that every bone became dislocated. Why? Because at that point, when Jesus was first put on the cross, his bones weren't dislocated. He was nailed to the tree. But then there came a point where God started putting all your sins and my sins on that body. On a body of a man. He felt every bit of it. That's why he didn't want to go. And all our sin went on that body. And while our sin was on that body, his bones began to come dislocated. Why? Because that's what sin will do to a body. The bones started dislocating. The sickness was all over him. He managed to stay awake. He managed to stay alive. He managed to keep his conscience but every sin of yours, every sin, don't ever forget that everything you've ever done was on that body. Everything you have ever done or will ever do went on that body. You say, God doesn't know what I've done. Oh, yeah, he does. He felt it. He felt it. He carried it. Every bone dislocated your sin and my sin, everything I've ever done on that body, and it started to break apart. The bones started to dislocate. Think about that someday. Meditate on it. It is a beautiful sight. Oh, it was grotesque, but it was a beautiful sight. Why? Because that's where my sin ended. That's where your sin ended. I want you to go to Matthew 27. Everything that Jesus said was of the Father. Everything that Jesus did was the Spirit of God in him doing the works. Jesus had the Holy Ghost. He was walking in the power and the Spirit of God. Everything he said, everything he did was by the Father. And then there came a point. Then there came a point that the God that sent him to do all this turned his back on Jesus. If you will go with me to Matthew 27, verse 46. God is with him since the very first. Since he was born, God was with him, had his hand on him. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Ghost and his ministry started. All the miracles that Jesus did. And he laid down his life and went on the tree. And then it came to the point where Jesus is crying in verse 46. And about the ninth hour, the ninth hour, that's about two, three in the afternoon. Jesus cried with a loud voice. Now all our sin is on him. All your sin is on him. Look at this picture. You have a man that is nailed to the tree. Every bone is out of joint. He's got your sin and my sin on him. And he cries, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For the first time ever, the father turns his back on Jesus. He turns his back on Jesus. Jesus has never been without the Father. And now he has his back turned. Why? It says in Habakkuk 1, God is of pure eyes. He cannot look on sin. And you know why God turned his back on Jesus? He couldn't look at your sin. He couldn't look at your sin. He can't look at your sin. He rejected Jesus and turned his back on Jesus.
He turned his back. Jehovah turned his back on Jesus because of you, because of me. And you know what's so wonderful about that? He rejected Jesus and turned his back on Jesus so that he will never have to turn his back on you and I. He will never have to turn his back on you. He rejected Jesus, so he doesn't reject you. He can't reject you. Jesus already carried your sin. Now Jesus was rejected, so you are not rejected by God. That's the reason he sent him in the first place. What does it say in 2 Corinthians? Let's go back there. Now that we know that Jesus was rejected so that we won't be ever. All things are God which has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit. God was in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He put them on Jesus. You will never be rejected by the Father if you go to him. Why? He's already rejected Jesus for you. And you know what Jesus did when he died? Because he died with your sin, he went to hell for you. He went to hell for you because that's where you were supposed to go. That's where I was supposed to go with our sin. Jesus went for us. He was rejected of the Father. And what do you do with a man full of sin? He goes to hell. And Jesus went for you and I. And it says, the third day, the Father saw the travail of Jesus' soul. And he said, that's enough. That is enough. Kathy's sins are paid for. It's enough. Your sins were paid for. Your sins were paid for. How come I feel guilty? Tell the devil to shut up and say it is written. Just like Jesus did. It is written. Jesus paid for your sin. It is written. Jesus went to hell for your sin. It is written. The father saw the travail of his soul and he was satisfied concerning you. Your only job is to believe it. That is your only job. The other work has been all done. Your sins have been forgiven by that man, Jesus. You have been justified. You have been reconciled to the father. All you have to do is go to him. He cannot turn you out and he won't he went to an awful lot of trouble to get you here the only thing required of us is that we believe and the first thing we must do is Jesus said you must be born again you must be born again he said you must be how am I born again it is simple God made the world so simple to walk with him all you have to do is say Jesus Come into my heart. Become Lord of my life. And when you call on that name, it says, those that call on the name of the Lord shall be, not maybe, shall be delivered. Amen. Kathy would love to hear from you. Email her at the letters kd at kdwol.com. 
that's KD, at kdwol.com and visit her website to listen to these messages again or download them free of charge at kdwol.com. Write her at P.O. Box 865022, Plano, Texas 75086. Until next time, God bless.